The following is a presentation of the New York Presbyterian Hudson Valley Hospital Center, a better place to get better. Welcome to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey, a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in for your health and happiness today. You just have to do what's in your heart. All of our guests today have had big changes in their lives, and each has found their heart and soul doing what they were meant to do. Maybe listening in will help you get a little bit closer to doing something you are meant to do. Michael James Leslie was a lawyer. Now he's an actor on Broadway, currently doing Showboat in Westchester. Paula Miratello has a full-time job, but her heart is in the charity she created that helps veterans get on their feet. Author Tess Gerritsen was once a physician. Now she's a full-time writer, a New York Times bestseller, in fact, and her new book is Haunting Historical Fiction, based on the Holocaust in Italy. It's called Playing with Fire. Tess even composed a piece of violin music that accompanies the book. You may know Tess Gerritsen as the woman who created the Rizzoli and Isles characters. How did that happen? Um, Jane Rizzoli was, uh, first appeared in a book called The Surgeon in 2001. She was a throwaway character who was supposed, supposed to die in the book, but she, she survived because she grew on me. And then uh, Maura Isles came in on the next book, um, The Apprentice. And by the third book, I had a series starring Rizzoli and Isles. And you never planned any of this, or did you? No, I never. I don't plan things out. They just happen to me as I'm in the process of creating. Inspiration. You know what? I think um, I think there's a little schizophrenia involved because I'm always listening for their voices, and you never know who's going to talk to you when you get to your desk that morning. Ah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's, it's, I tell beginning writers sometimes, if you don't know how to start your book, just just shut up, let, sit down, close your eyes, and wait for some somebody to talk to you. Wow. All right, so is that what happened with Playing With Fire? You sat down and... This is a book that I, I've never had this happen before. I, had a, I was in Venice for my birthday, and I had a nightmare. I dreamt I was playing my violin. There was a baby sitting next to me, and as I played this music, which I knew was disturbing, the baby's eyes glowed red, and she turned into a monster. And I woke up, and I thought, whoa, what's that about? About the power of music to transform kids into monsters? Um, and as I walked around Venice that day, I, I ended up in the old Jewish quarter and saw memorials to the Holocaust. And that's when the whole story came to me. So really, it, it was born out of a dream. Wow. Now, do you think that was inspiration talking to you through your dream? Um, I, I think it was, it was, I don't know what, I don't know where it comes from. I'd like to tell people this is the one book that was handed to me by the universe, a book I was meant to write, uh, a book I never planned to write, and yet here it is. Okay. Now you yourself play the violin. Yes, I do. And there is music involved in this book. Tell us about that. Yes, um, the story is about a, a, a woman named Julia who's a violinist. Uh, she picks up a uh, handwritten piece of music that appears to be old in an antique store. When she brings it home and she plays it, it, um, it makes her three-year-old daughter go berserk and commit violence. So Julia um, is now afraid of her own daughter, but who's afraid of a three-year-old? So everybody thinks she's going crazy. Her husband wants her to go to a psychiatrist, and uh, Julia is just more and more terrified of her own child. So to find the answer, she needs to discover where the music comes from. She, um, she goes to Venice, and there she uncovers the music's origins. And the, it's, a, it's a story, it's a tragic love story that takes place in World War II and the Holocaust. So there are two stories being told, one Julia 
trying to save her family, and the other, the love story between Lorenzo and Laura, and what happens to them as the Holocaust starts to move into northern Italy. And now you have composed music? Based on this? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had to describe this disturbing music in great detail while I was writing the book. It was fictional, um, as I was just describing what I thought it would sound like. And it must have gone into my subconscious, because um, halfway through writing the book, I woke up with the melody in my head. And um, strangely enough, I was able to compose it within a couple of weeks. And so it's been recorded by concert violinist Suzanne Howe. Um, and if you hear the music, you'll understand what the story is about. But it's, it's one of these strange projects where the music is based on the book, and the book is about this fictional piece of music. Yes, this is a strange but wonderful project. Is there an audiobook yet? <laughs> yes, um, there is a, a version of it on audiobook. But if you want to hear the music, you can go to my website. We have a one-minute sample of it. The full seven-minute recording is available on iTunes and Amazon, and you can you can find out how to download it by going to uh, TessGerritsen.com. Tess Gerritsen, I don't know where you find the time to write a seven-minute piece of music with, with all you have going on, and you are also a physician. Uh, yes, well, I don't practice medicine anymore. It's been 25 years since I, I practiced medicine. I'm, I'm a full-time writer. Right, and how did you decide to put down your stethoscope? It was maternity leave. I went on maternity leave for my first child, and it was so hard to juggle being a mom and being a doctor. You know, my husband's a doctor. It was really more family stress that made me stay home and decide I was going to focus on writing, which I've always wanted to do since I was a child. Wonderful. All right. So, you know, we always have to ask. There's always something cooking. What's next? I'm working on the 12th Brazilian Dials book, and that should be out sometime late next year. 12th? It's been a long haul. Jane and Maura have seen a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> it's great. They're such fantastic characters. It re- they really are. Now, do you have anything to do with the TV show? No, they, they have their own team of writers, and I think they're doing a great job because clearly it, it's going into its seventh season. All right. Anything else you want people to know about this very different book, Playing With Fire? Um, just that if you want to find out more about the Italian Holocaust, which was really, really different from the rest of Europe, I mean, 80% of, the, of Jews in Italy survived, this will help explain what made Italy different. Playing with Fire by Tess Gerritsen. If you'd like a copy, email me at caseyradio at gmail.com. Tess was once a physician, now she's a New York Times best-selling writer. Our next guest was once a lawyer, now Michael James Leslie is a Broadway star. He's currently in Westchester doing Showboat, because one day he walked down 13th Street. That's our next story. This is the Health and Happiness Show with Casey on 100.7 WHUD. If you have a question or need more information about things you've heard on the show, email kcradio at gmail.com. The Health and Happiness Show. Information, fun, and inspiration. does an award-winning Hudson Valley Hospital get even better? It teams up with the number one hospital in New York. Hudson Valley Hospital is now part of New York Presbyterian, and with our new name comes new possibilities. New York Presbyterian Hudson Valley Hospital now has expanded clinical services previously not available in the Hudson Valley, and easy access to the expertise and resources of New York Presbyterian in Manhattan. Visit nyp.org slash Hudson Valley to learn more about the amazing things happening here.
Have alcohol or drug dependence made your life or the life of someone you love unmanageable? For more than 100 years, St. Christopher's Inn has been the place where men in crisis find hope. Located in Garrison, New York, St. Christopher's Inn is a residential shelter and substance abuse treatment center where no man is turned away because of race, religion, or ability to pay. If you or someone you know needs to find a way out of addiction, call us at 800-424-0027 or visit our website at stchristophersinn.org. Hi, this is Fran Capo, adventurer, comedian, and author of Hopeville, the City of Light, which gives you the 44 secrets to happiness. Here's one of those secrets. Ever notice how we rush around for our family and friends, but we don't often take the time to take care of ourselves? Why? We're just as important. From here on in, I want you to promise yourself that you'll take a few minutes every day. Come on, promise yourself now. Devote five small minutes a day to something that you love. Listen to your favorite song, pray, walk, take a bubble bath, hug your pet, write in a diary, call a friend. All right, it'll have to be a quick talk. Get a $5 back rub for five minutes at a nail salon. Watch the sunrise or the sunset. Savor and eat your favorite snack. Visualize the house you want to buy. There's a lot you could do in five minutes, and it gives you something fantastic to look forward to each day. Do not neglect yourself and your sanity. Make it a habit. When you habitually treat yourself well and make yourself important, you feel better, no matter what is going on in your life at the time. And if you treat yourself better, you are a calmer and happier person to be around. Trust me, your family will love it, and the five-minute distressor will work wonders on your mind, body, and soul. Well, I gotta run. I have a massage appointment I don't want to miss. This is Fran Capital, the world's fastest-talking woman, but I always make sure I slow down enough to take five. To learn more, go to francapo.com. Hi, it's Casey. Showboat is on stage now at the Westchester Broadway Theater in Elmsford. The star of the show is Michael James Leslie. He's from the Jersey Shore. He graduated Rutgers and Cornell Law, but he always wanted to be an actor. Yet there were some family expectations, but finally, he found his calling this way. It was it was divine. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, I my first job was the Broadway revival of Hair that had Peter Gallagher in it and Letter Retta Devine and uh, Ellen Foley, who sang Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. I mean, this is this incredible cast. And I got that by literally walking down. I was walking one day, depressed, walked down 13th Street, and there was a 13th Street Playhouse. I saw that there were auditions. I had no picture and resume, no music, and then went in and asked the guy, could I audition? The guy said, well, no, 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 you don't have an agent's call. And I said, oh, okay. And as I turned to the door, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you audition at 5.30? And I said, yes. Then I got scared, of course. <laughs> and then I auditioned, and, and long, to make a long story short, I ended up in that Broadway revival. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that's sort of divine. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't plan that. No. And what if you had walked down 14th Street? I know. I would have never done it. it, it it's just I don't. I don't think I've walked down 13th Street to this day. From that day, oh. um, it's just you. Just I was walking down Seventh Avenue, and something said, "Turn here." Wow! I love this. I absolutely <laughs> love this. We are talking so, to the one and only Michael James Leslie, who is now on stage at the Westchester Broadway Theater in Elmsford. Welcome to the country. I know you've spent a lot of time in the city. Yes. <laughs> A true Jersey boy who comes over the bridge. A true Jersey boy. I really am. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about smart. Your family, we've got lawyers and doctors and a psychiatric nurse and an architect in the family, too. Yes. Uh, uh, my mother, uh, uh, my mother's mother was raised by a Jewish family. 
and their motto was you, you, use your brains, not your hands. Ah. And that was instilled in my grandmother, and that was also instilled in my mother. My mother graduated college back in 19... Uh, uh, 30 to 1930, 1929 or 1930. Wow. And so she just, and she was right. She wanted us to be able to um, sort of. Uh, if it was a boxing ring, have the upper uppercut with the rest of the world, yeah. and that meant getting the be- most education possible. She was a big, uh, a big, big proponent of education, and especially for African Americans. That she said that at that time, a lot of the liberal things that were occurring were going to disappear, and she was right, of course. And then, and then, when they disappear, you will have your mental and, and education, mental ability and education to, to combat, combat anything that's thrown at you. Oof, God bless mom. God bless yeah, mom. Yeah, she was, she was, a, she was a firebrand. I, I, uh, you know, she was an amazing, amazing woman. And so, uh, you know, I, and she died in uh, 1986 and I, I miss her every day. I think of her every day. And now his mother is looking over him as he stars in Showboat at the Westchester Broadway Theater in Elmsford. See it soon. And finally, you are going to meet a force of nature, Paula Miratello. She has the energy and organizational skills of a small army. After her brother died, she took to the streets of her community, helping everyone she could. Now, her nonprofit organization, My Brother Vinny, has grown to help all all those in need, especially homeless veterans. In fact, it's grown so big so fast, she could really use our help. Paula, to start, tell us about your brother. Vincent had special needs. He died in 2000 at the age of 20. His life was fantastic with his family. Although he couldn't walk or talk, he had a very rich home life and he loved to swim. He went to school at Pines Bridge in Yorktown. He had a full life. And I think that many don't understand when you say someone couldn't walk or talk that they lived a really happy life. Vinny was truly loved by our family and he just, being special needs, he had a lot of obstacles when you can't walk or talk. And um, Vincent had passed away from gallstones and, you know, there was a lot of issues with people not knowing or being aware of what was wrong with Vinny when he wasn't feeling good. So that's what led to me running my charitable organization right. after Vincent passed away because he was in the hospital three months until he passed away. And he because he couldn't talk, he couldn't tell anyone what hurt. No, it was horrible. It, it was heartbreaking. So after Vinny died, I was faced with either going for my whole future being really angry or trying to change it in a way to help people because right. I always felt whether you had a mental health issue, I felt like if you were alone and didn't have a family like ours, you would need people to help you. Yeah. So I started like volunteering, job coaching. Then I started working with Special Olympians and I started just going for a place where I felt like I could fill my heart for what I felt I lost with my brother because, you know, although my brother couldn't walk or talk, my brother was beautiful and he was like our baby. He was the youngest of six and I was his older sister and for me I felt like we were responsible for taking care of Vinny and we couldn't protect him in this aspect but maybe I could help other people with Vinny. So then that's how my brother Vinny was born. After Vinny passed away in 2000, I volunteered everything and it was, it was in memory of my brother. Like, prior to losing Vinny, I had, I had lost a boyfriend that I dated five years that had passed away in a motorcycle accident. So it's like I had two big losses that I had to carry forward and mourn. Right. And I had to do it productive where I would have my whole rest of my life being angry and not, you know, how I felt in my heart. We're talking to Paula Miratello. She is the driving force behind the nonprofit that is called My Brother Vinny. Your special needs brother lived at home with you and the whole family till he was 20 and then he got sick and passed away. So the whole family probably took part in caring for him. Oh, it was everybody. It was our whole family. Vinny was like everybody's baby. Like we were all, all my siblings were Vinny's legal guardian. And I wanted everybody to know my brother because 
he was my absolute heart, and he still is my heart. You know, I was yesterday was his 15th anniversary of his passing. I don't know many kids that hear the song, He Ain't Happy, He's My Brother, but when I would hear that song as a little kid, that was my song for my brother. So now you've taken this wonderful love that you had for your brother, and you're keeping his name alive, and you're keeping the spirit of his love alive, and you've gotten involved, you know, volunteering with so, so many different charities. But in the end, it seems like you've settled on, on one now. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, what happened was, through the course of our work and how it evolved, and then one day I met a veteran at another event, and I said, listen, if you ever need anything when you leave the VA, because he told me he was you know, homeless and he was going to be starting over, and I'm like, if you ever need anything like furniture or anything, let me know, give me a call. I come from a big family, we're used to helping people, and I gave him my information, and a week later I was called into the VA in Montrose, and I met some social workers. They wanted to speak to me about helping the veterans when they came out of the hud Vash program that were chronically homeless to supply them with furniture. And I work a full-time job. Like, my charity is 100% volunteer, 100% volunteer. And I said to them I could help occasionally every once in a while, but I'm not sure how much furniture I can handle because I work a full-time job. And now, as of today, we've helped 217 U.S. veterans start over. Although we're from Yorktown, we helped them through Westchester County, Putnam County, New York City, and my charity exploded to the point where it was it's my passion. It just something just took over, and just our veteran work filled a whole other aspect of it. And so it's a large majority of our work. All right. So and now my brother Vinny is serving primarily veterans and helping them get back on their feet. We primarily are serving homeless U.S. veterans starting over. And also we do provide our joy-giving events. So we still do some work in the adult homes. But our primarily our service work is providing homeless U.S. veterans with furniture and housewares. Okay. So what if people want to know more about joy-giving events? What, what can you tell them? Well, for our joy-giving events, we provide food to the shelters. So say, for example, we were going to cook for Dan Peak Shelter. Our volunteers would prepare dishes and we would go and volunteer to bring a meal in for the shelter. We, we do events at adult homes, whether we have the ice cream trucks coming in, providing holiday gifts for adults in homes that don't have a lot of family. Um, we still do that aspect of our work. Anything, if you want to decorate cards or in person go spend time with people that don't have a lot of family, I think it's still important to have the human interaction. Right. Remember, my brother couldn't walk or talk and he still loved being around people. Every bit of my work, I felt like I had to have part of Vinny in it. Mm-hmm. So whether we're bringing 300 cupcakes to an adult home, my brother Vinny loved cupcakes. <laughs> so I want to have a piece of him and everything. And like yeah. I love giving like coats away. I think it's such a giving thing to give someone the coat you had and say, you know, I want you to have this. Right. Doesn't do and anybody I, any good if it's hanging in the back of the closet, yeah. right? And I think that to me, it's such a, like when I go on Route 6, like we do Mohegan Park Adult Home. They don't have tons of family, and we bring them coats. I have, like, a fashion day for them, and I'll bring them coats and clothes. If you drive down Route 6, I can tell you that's Cousin Maria's jacket. That's this one's jacket. Like, I, I know the clothes. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my friend from high school's jacket. You see it yeah. on the clients who are then wearing it. All right, so how can we help you? What can people do to find out more, to maybe send you money or send you furniture like, or send well, here's you our hard, Yeah, well, our hardest part with our work we're doing now is our homeless veteran work. I don't know if people realize how hard it is to supply furniture bring furniture to the veterans. We operate now 1,600 square feet of storage in Yorktown self-storage. I now picked up storage in Long Island because I have a hotel coming in on Monday that's giving me the whole two floors. People want to donate furniture to us, but we're primarily volunteer. I need, I honestly at this point need financial support. I need sponsors because I work a full-time job. I work 24-7. We have expenses that are astronomical. When veterans come out and they're into their home, they get a key, but it doesn't necessarily come furnished. It doesn't come furnished 
washed at all. They wait for their stuff. I go into homes and they're sleeping on the floor. I feel we do it very efficiently what we do, but I don't know if people realize how hard it is what we do. Right. So you need help to keep this organization growing and afloat Mm -hmm. because just from volunteer and donations, you're, you're paying the bills for all these storage units. Yes, and, you know, if it's not through kind donations of, you know, family and friends and people supporting us, I cover it or my boyfriend covers it. And then I know the importance of what we do, and it will be done either way, but I need support, and I think I hope that I prove that we, you know, deserve support. I mean, I think we're a really unique organization. If people look on my Facebook page, they go on my website, mybrothervinny.org, our first giving site, firstgiving.com slash mybrothervinny. Everything we do is 100% powered by the people. We have no salaries. We don't get money to take the donations. We don't receive any other funding other than kind support. And yet, we can pull it together and say we support 217 U.S. veterans since only June 2013. Right. So you're doing great things, and we wish you the power to do more great things. So give that website again so people can find you and make a donation. It's www.mybrothervinny.org. The fifth annual My Brother Vinny Let's Give Thanks Food and Coat Drive will be held at the Yorktown Elks Lodge in Yorktown Heights November 15th. If you can help in Anyway, get in touch with Paula at mybrothervinny.org. Have a great week. The road is long With a many winding tongue That leads us to who knows where
You've been listening to The Health and Happiness Show with Casey. The content of The Health and Happiness Show is intended for general information purposes only. The Health and Happiness Show is a presentation of the New York Presbyterian Hudson Valley Hospital Center. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. Join Casey for another edition of The Health and Happiness Show next Sunday morning on 100.7 WHUD. 